Hi, everyone. I'm so glad you tuned in for today's episode. If you're a regular listener, you'll realize it's been a bit since I produced a podcast. I had taken a break, started up again, and then needed another break. Life and foster care took up the majority of my free time, and I just couldn't find the space for podcasting. But I have found myself yearning to be back in the Word, studying, and producing teachings. We as a family have been through a hard season, and I believe for now, things have settled into a bit more normalcy in our lives. The reduction in chaos and return to routine should hopefully provide more opportunity for me to consistently be studying and teaching, so thanks for being here with me today. I'm looking forward to what our future holds. Welcome to Season 3 of the Bible for My Ordinary Life podcast. My name is Alicia Parker, and I'll be your host. Are you interested in what the Bible really means, or wondering how it's relevant to life today? If so, this podcast is for you. In this season, we are going back to where it all begins, the book of Genesis. No matter what your age, or your background, or your experience is with the Bible, I believe you can find something fresh and meaningful every time you study it. Hi, my name's Ariana. The Bible is for everyone. (laughs) Thanks, Ariana. All right, friends. Let's get started. Okay, let's return to where we last left off in the book of Genesis. We had completed Genesis chapter 17. So today we're taking a look at Genesis 18, which has some very interesting dynamics, but we'll only get through the first part of the chapter and save the second half for next time. Abraham and Sarah are still awaiting the promised seed, but they're quite old and past the biological time of childbearing. I want to start out with a good look at the first few verses of this chapter. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible Version. Genesis 18.1 The Lord appeared to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the heat of the day. He looked up, and he saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of his tent to meet them, bowed to the ground, and said, My Lord, if I have found favor with you, please... Do not go on past your servant. Let a little water be brought, that you may wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. That will bring a bit of bread, so that you may strengthen yourselves. This is why you have passed your servant's way. Later, you can continue on. The author of this text immediately identifies that it was the Lord who appeared to Abraham. However, I'm not sure Abraham immediately knew this was God himself. He does recognize the importance of being hospitable to these guests. Notice that this is the heat of the day. Abraham is sitting in his tent. He's probably about ready to take a midday rest, which is likely a cultural norm for him. (laughs) One that I wish modern day America would adopt, because I for one love a midday nap. But he sees these three men and his actions are described vividly. He ran from the entrance of this tent to meet them and bows low to the ground. Whatever his motivation, he's very eager to meet and greet these visitors. Then he extends very gracious hospitality. He doesn't ask what their business is. He doesn't take a small contingent of men with him in case there's trouble. He doesn't immediately send them off his property to protect his goods and people. No, he humbly asks them to stay and rest and allow him to feed them and take care of them for a bit. And notice what he says. If I have found favor with you, he's very humble. And he asked them, please don't leave yet. At the end of verse five, the men agree by saying, yes, do as you have said. 
In the next few verses, we see Abraham respond with the same urgency that he greeted them with. Here's verses 6 through 8. So Abraham hurried into the tent and said to Sarah, Quick, knead three measures of fine flour and make bread. Abraham ran to the herd and got a tender choice calf. He gave it to a young man who hurried to prepare it. Then Abraham took curds and milk, as well as the calf that he had prepared, and set them before the men. He served them as they ate under the tree. Did you notice the way Abraham's actions were described? He hurried to the tent. He gave Sarah directions to quick make bread from fine flour. And then he ran to the herd to get a young man to quickly make a tender choice calf. This was a guy who was just about to doze off for his midday nap, and suddenly he's in high gear. There's no doubt the author intends to communicate that Abraham was eager to serve these men and to do so in a very honorable way. He picks out a tender choice calf for these strangers. Now, I realize we probably don't have a good idea of this meaning, but think for a moment about the economics of that time period. Abraham was a Bedouin is a semi-nomadic herdsman. He has sheep and cattle that he uses to feed his large community, which we know from other passages is several hundred people. He might have even traded with other herdsmen or in towns for goods. We don't really know the specifics of his economics, but a choice calf would be a financial sacrifice to Abraham. That's giving up some valuable food. And that calf might have potentially been bred to produce more high-quality animals. And this animal would have provided far more food than what three visitors needed. Plus, he provided them plenty of breads, curds, and milk. The measure of flour he tells Sarah to need is about two gallons. That's a lot of bread. So even though in his original welcome he requested these visitors stay for a bit of bread, Abraham actually created a feast fit for royalty. Did he have some inclination about the importance of these men or some sense that perhaps they were messengers from God? We know that one of the men was indeed the Lord, but I don't think Abraham knew that right away, that he responded appropriately. Think about the sacrifices he's made. He's given up his rest time. He's provided a huge meal made from the very best ingredients, and he's ensured these visitors have been refreshed with water and shade. This is a Beautiful picture of Abraham worshiping the Lord and serving him appropriately. As they're eating, a very interesting conversation takes place. I'll read verses 9 to 15. And while I do this, try to envision this playing out in your mind as I read these words to you. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he answered. The Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in about a year's time, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old and getting on in years, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. So she laughed to herself. After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I have this delight? But the Lord asked Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Can I really have a baby when I am old? Is anything impossible for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will come back to you, and in about a year, she will have a son. But Sarah denied it. I did not laugh, she said, because she was afraid. But he replied, no, you did laugh. 
Now, did you envision a tent nearby where the visitors are dining? Sarah's in that tent, and Abraham is outside with the visitors. The Lord asks Abraham where his wife Sarah is, and he responds that she's in the tent. The author tells us she's listening from just inside the tent. Now, do you have this pictured? Have you ever done this yourself? Tried to listen to a conversation from behind a closed door or a curtain or just out of sight? The Lord declares that he'll be back a year from this time and Sarah will have a son. In case we've lost our sense of time in this story, the author adds in verse 11 and reminds us that Abraham and Sarah are old. In fact, Sarah has passed menopause. She's no longer biologically capable of having children and she knows it. So she laughs, but she does it to herself. And her thoughts or maybe her quiet muttering to herself is recorded. And she says, after I am worn out and my husband is old, will I really have this delight? Remember, Abraham has received the promise that he will have a son. God has never spoken this to Sarah. And Abraham believed God for this promise, but he has questioned the methods. Remember in chapter 15, verse 2, Abraham asked God, God, what can you give me since I'm childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? He believed God would give him a son, but he couldn't figure out how. And then again in verse 16, and then again in chapter 16, Sarah concocts a plan to help God out. In verse 2 of that chapter, she says to Abraham, Since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave. Perhaps through her I can build a family. And Abraham, foolishly, agrees, because he doesn't see how God can do this through their bodies. But when we read chapter 17, we saw that again God specified the promise. He said in verse 15 of chapter 17, As for your wife Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her indeed. I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will produce nations. Kinds of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. Then he laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a ninety-year-old woman, give birth? So Abraham said, If only Ishmael were acceptable to you. But God said, No, your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will name him Isaac. That promise had been out there for years. At this point in the story, Ishmael is at least 13 years old, and here God himself shows up and specifies that this promised son will be here within the year. And Sarah, despite all the conversations God has had with Abraham, can't believe it. She questions how this is possible. And let's give Sarah a break. It does seem pretty impossible given her age and Abraham's age. She's never seen anything like this done before. So she laughs to herself, and she struggles to believe this is possible. Conversation continues, though. Still, try to picture this. God, in the form of this man, asks Abraham why Sarah laughed and even quotes her thoughts. Let me read verse 13 again. But the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Can I really have a baby when I'm old? Is anything impossible for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will come back to you. And in about a year, she will have a son. We aren't told if Abraham replied, but in the next verse, we do know that Sarah replied. Did she step out of the tent? Did she say these words to herself? I don't know. But she denies that she laughed and God calls her out. 
No, you did laugh. So here's a life lesson. Don't try to lie to God. He knows all and he sees all and he might just call you out. So let's pause here and consider these verses in light of our themes that we've been studying in Genesis. First of all, we know that Genesis is the foundation book for establishing the promised seed that will come and reverse the curse from chapter 3. In each major storyline, we have looked for that promised seed. And each one, Seth, Noah, and Abraham, has been a picture or a foreshadowing of the promised seed, but not the one. Now, we have a promised son who is to be named Isaac due to be born within a year. He as well will be a foreshadowing, but he will not be the redeemer. We've also considered the character of God and the character of humans as themes in Genesis. I absolutely love how in this passage, God says to Abraham and Sarah, is anything impossible for the Lord? It's rhetorical, but clearly the answer is no. Nothing is impossible for the Lord. He can make a 99-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman have a baby. He can undo the effects of menopause and create life in a womb that otherwise has been barren. That's God's character. And is Sarah's response to that any different than ours? She laughs to herself and put words to her doubt. Can I really have a baby when I'm old? Are we that different? Maybe we ask questions like, can this relationship ever really heal? Can I really parent this hard kid? Can this marriage be saved? Can I find a church that feels safe? Can I actually overcome a habit that's plagued me my whole life? These and other questions, it's, it's human nature to ask them and to doubt what seems impossible to us. And then when Sarah's caught in her doubt, she denies it. She's afraid that she's been found out, that this visitor who seems to be a very different kind of man, knows that she laughed, even though she's been hiding in the tent. And let's not judge her too quickly. Isn't it easy to say when we're afraid of someone finding out we did something we shouldn't have and think or say, I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. I didn't do that. And maybe Sarah was trying to justify herself since she was afraid with thoughts like, I didn't laugh out loud, so I didn't really laugh. Or maybe she justified it with, I didn't laugh, I scoffed. And that's different than laughing. Or maybe she just outright denied it in fear. But she knew it was true. She laughed. We as humans do the same thing. But notice God. He calls her out, but he doesn't shame her. He doesn't remove the promise from her and say, well, you don't believe, so you don't get it. He's gracious. And the storyline moves on. We'll get to the second half of the visit in our next episode. It's quite a contrast from what we've read here today. But let's just sit with these thoughts as we ponder this interaction that occurred so many years ago. What promises of God are you having a hard time believing? What seems impossible in your life that only God can do? What do you really believe about God's character and his ability? Sarah didn't laugh out of arrogance. She laughed out of a lifetime of disappointment. She longed for a son, a family of her own, so much so that she let her husband sleep with a servant in order to try to get what she wanted. Her laugh 
was from the depth of disbelief about the absolute impossibility of her situation from a human standpoint. But this visitor wasn't some ordinary man. It was the Lord himself, and nothing, absolutely nothing, is too difficult for him. It was the Lord himself, and nothing, absolutely nothing, is too difficult for him. So whatever you're facing, whatever seems impossible, if the Lord has his hand in it, and he has an outcome planned, rest assured, it's possible. Don't laugh. Don't scoff. Don't lose your belief. We serve a God who is always faithful to his promises. Nothing is impossible for the Lord. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoy what you heard. Don't forget to leave a review and connect with us on Instagram. The Bible is for everyone.